Hey everyone, this is lesson three in Easter, Passover, and the Resurrection. If you've been following the first two lessons, you'll remember that we have now separated the languages. Now we've got people going all over the world and they're all practicing the same sun god worship, worshiping Nimrod, who was from Ham and then he got reincarnated as the sun. His wife or his widow got reincarnated as Ishtar or Easter and the son that she had with somebody else but said that she had with Nimrod after he became the son, Tammuz. All of these people make up one piece or another of the Easter celebrations that are carried out today. Today we're going to discuss Passover and what that means and why it's important. You know, so many times people put Passover, Easter, and the resurrection together. That's why I'm putting them together so that we can disseminate them and tell the truth about each of them. The story of Passover can be found in Exodus chapter 12. There's a, an addition in Numbers 9 and an addition in Numbers 28 to get to where the Passover was when Jesus came on the scene. So we're going to talk about the Passover very quickly and what all of the requirements for the Passover are and what happened. So when we're not going to go through how the children of Israel got to Egypt, but they got to Egypt and they're multiplying. They're having lots and lots of Hebrew babies. Well, this threatens the Egyptians because there's so many of them. And the Hebrews actually were charged with making stones to make the pyramids for the Pharaoh. It's so interesting to me that they were making stones in Egypt and that they were making stones in the plain of Shinar at the Tower of Babel. And that's what got them separated was making these towers. And the same devil that provoked them to make the Tower of Babel is provoking Pharaoh to have them make these pyramids, which ultimately are supposed to do the same thing. Pyramids, you know, house dead pharaohs and they're supposed to get them to heaven. In other words, it's a gateway to heaven the same way that the Tower of Babel was a gateway to heaven. So it's the same devil with the same plot, just in a different shape. That's really important because he still does that today. We're not going to get into all that because this is, a, this is a discussion on Passover. But the devil is still doing the same thing, exalting people, trying to get them to take down the name of God. So what happens is we see all these Hebrews overrunning Egypt. And so Pharaoh makes their work really, really hard, makes it very hard for them to make brick. And he tells them that they have to kill all of their children, all of the Hebrew males. So this is the second time that we see a huge child mass with the Jews. And it's right here is when Pharaoh says, I want them all dead. Of course, we know that Moses is saved alive by Pharaoh's daughter. And so when the people cry out for a savior, 40 years later, here comes Moses. And so Moses goes out into the desert. If you want to read the whole story, please read the story of Exodus. The whole story of Moses starts in Exodus. So the Hebrews are crying out to God saying, we need help. We need your help. We need a savior. And so God sends them Moses. Well, Moses winds up killing somebody and freaking out. And he goes off into the desert. And 40 years later, he comes back and says, I'm going to deliver the children of Israel. And so when he approaches Pharaoh to do this, Pharaoh, of course, doesn't want to let all his laborers go. The Egyptians were too proud to work, but the Hebrews weren't. And so they didn't want to lose all their laborers. Anyway, so God sends 10 plagues to provoke Pharaoh 
to let the Hebrews go, and Pharaoh, of course, doesn't, and they get all these plagues. If you know anything about the Bible, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and this is where we catch the story, and it's in Exodus chapter 12 is the Passover. It's the final plague that God is going to pronounce on Egypt for not letting the children of Israel go. And it's the death of the firstborn. So what God says to Moses is he says, okay, listen, I want every Jewish family to get a lamb, a, a yearling lamb, which means it's only a year old that has no blemish or spot on it. And he says, this is basically, I'm paraphrasing it because there are rules for if you don't have enough money to get a lamb or if you don't have a family or, or these kinds of things. So this is a very basic rundown of what Passover is. So they have to get a lamb and they have to get it on the 10th of the month. Now God says to Moses, he says, this is going to be your first month. Now this is really important later when Jesus comes and when the children of Israel go into Canaan and ultimately Jerusalem. But God says here in Exodus 12, this is your first month. And on the 10th day of this month, I want you to collect a lamb. Every, every family get a lamb of the first year, a male with no blemish. I want you to keep that lamb in your care for four days. And at sunset on the fourth day, so would be the 14th day of that month, I want you to slaughter the lamb. There are a couple things you have to do. I want you to slaughter the lamb. Before dark, of course, I want you to roast the lamb. God didn't want the lamb boiled. He wanted it roasted because roasting was faster. And see, they were leaving. They were leaving Egypt and they knew it, but they didn't know exactly what time. So God wanted them to be sustained. He wanted them to have protein enough to go. He also said, I want you to eat unleavened bread. And I want you to eat it with bitter herbs. In other words, it doesn't have to be just plain. It's bitter herbs, unleavened bread, and this lamb that you've roasted. Now, anything that you guys don't eat, then I want you to dispose of. I want you to burn it and get rid of it, okay? Because he didn't want the Egyptians eating it. That's the reason for that. And so he said, but the blood of the lamb, I want you to put it on the two doorposts, which are these, the sides of the door, and on the lintel, which is the top of the door, on the outside of your house where you're going to eat the lamb. And he said, you have to eat it standing up with your um, belt around your waist and ready to go, sandals on your feet, ready to pull out. And so that he says, now, every house that has this blood over the lentil and on the doorposts is going to be safe. What does he mean by being safe? Because the Spirit of God is going to pass through the land of Egypt and it's going to kill all the firstborn. Now, what I want to point out right here is that God was not killing people. The people who died, the firstborn, they were all pagans. They were not God's people. In other words, God had not absolved them from their sin. In other words, there was no blood spilt for them. So it's not that God was going around slaying them. He was saying, when I pass through somewhere, when I, my presence is somewhere, anyone or anything that is sinful must die. It just, it's, it's a law of nature. And so the blood of a slain animal will protect you. And we see that with Christ later on. And so the blood of the lamb that was slain, God would accept that as propitiation for the sins of the Hebrews. Not that they didn't commit sins, but that they were covered by the blood. And so when the presence of God passed through, it couldn't basically see through or penetrate the blood to the people and their sins. Now, why did the firstborn die? The firstborn died because God is merciful. He said, I'm not going to completely wipe out Egypt. 
I'm going to just, just the firstborn are going to die. He restricted the spirit of death from killing everybody because it would have, because no sin can stand in the presence of God. And so this is what happens. We find this in Exodus 12. That's the original Passover. The, the spirit of death passed over the Hebrew houses that had the blood on the lentil and on the doors. So then we find this the next year, some more in Numbers chapter 28. And here we really get down to the nuts and the bolts of the Passover celebration. So this is the second year and, and God says, okay, I want everybody to be ritualistically clean. In other words, they have to mitzvah. And he adds later that every male of Hebrew descent has to come to Jerusalem and worship. They have to be ritualistically clean, mitzvah. They have to kill the Passover lamb at twilight. They have to put it in the oven before dark. They have to stand and eat it with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. Now that is all the Passover. Now what God added was that the day of the Passover started a high Sabbath. What's really important and what I'm going to be pushing you to know and to remember for the next few videos is that, and for life, is that the Jews do not think of the days the way that we in Western culture think of the days. We technically start counting our days at 12 p.m. midnight, right? At 12 midnight. And so the Jews don't do that. Their day starts at 6 p.m. Okay, and that's really, really, really important for when we look at the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. So, basically, they had to have the lamb already slain and in the oven. Basically, they're not doing any work after the lamb is in the oven, okay? And so, because on that day of the Passover, God instituted a high Sabbath. A high Sabbath is different than a weekly regular Sabbath. A high Sabbath means you can do no work at all, period. A customary Sabbath dictates that you can do no customary work. In other words, you can do some things. You can go to the synagogue. You can, you know, do certain things, but you can't do things that you normally do. In other words, if you normally go to work every day, you can't do that on a customary Sabbath, right? But on a high Sabbath, everybody's in the house. Nobody's doing anything. Nobody's going anywhere. Everybody's just chilling. And so that's what God said. He said, the Passover is a high Sabbath. So at 6 p.m. on the 14th day of the month starts the Passover celebration. That lamb has to be in the oven between 6 p.m. and dark on that Sabbath because this is a high Sabbath. Okay, and then they take it out and they eat it. And so he also said that this is the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. So, so the 14th is the, the high Sabbath of the Passover. The 15th is the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread lasts seven days and at that point you can have no leaven in your house by the time it starts. So basically you can't have any leaven past 5.59 p.m. on the 14th of the first month because that's the high Sabbath of the Passover. Well the first day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread is also a high Sabbath. So for two days in a row, essentially, nobody's working, nobody's doing anything, okay? That's going to be really, really, really important when we talk about Jesus Christ and his crucifixion and his resurrection. Really important. And it's where most people have missed it because they don't understand Jewish culture. And so... 
So we have the Feast of the Passover, which only lasts one day. We have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which lasts seven days. And there can be no leaven in the house or anywhere near a Jew for seven days. But it has to be out before the High Sabbath, right? Because they can't go about working and cleaning their house to get the leaven out. So it has to be done by the 13th of the first month. Let's talk about the month. So the first month of the year was whatever it was when God said that in Exodus. But what we find is that God gave a real distinct prediction of what the first month of the year would be for the Jewish calendar. And what he said was that the priests had to go out and look at the first new moon when the barley in Israel was fully ripe. This term for being fully ripe is Aviv. So they call their first month of the year Aviv. So on the 10th of Aviv every year, they have to choose a Passover lamb and they keep it until the 14th because it goes through various inspections. And then on the twilight, 6 p.m.-ish before dark on the 14th of Aviv, that's when they slaughter and roast the lamb. Now, this celebration happens in the spring of the year but we never know exactly what day of the week it's going to be because it's predicted by the ripening of the barley and the new moon so those two events have to happen a new moon and the barley has to be right in the land of israel for the new month to start and that's why we can't i know that there are lots of calendars out there that predict passover and they're doing it by the new moon but they might be wrong because the barley might not be ripe at that time and the creator's calendar says that they have to be both so, so that's really, really going to be important in the resurrection of Christ. So this is the story of the Passover. So we have the Passover where God passed over the houses of the, of the Hebrews when they were leaving Egypt. We have the roasting of the lamb and the time frame of when that has to be. The high Sabbath where nobody's working. Incidentally, when the children of Israel left Egypt, they went to all their Egyptian neighbors who had just lost their firstborn and said, give us all your stuff. And the Egyptians handed over all of their valuables. And so in this way, the Hebrews didn't have to work for any of their prosperity in the same way that God instituted the high Sabbath in Numbers chapter 28 and throughout history. And so right after the Passover high Sabbath, we have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which also starts with a high Sabbath, and that lasts for seven days. And then during that, we also have the Feast of first fruits when they take the, the first part of the barley and they offer some of it to the Lord. And that's in the midst of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And whatever day that starts on is also a high Sabbath. So the time that Jesus was resurrected and crucified is very crucial because it was Passover in Jerusalem at that time. So I'm going to go ahead and end this video. I'm going to continue next with the arrest, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to finish it all up with our last video discussing why we celebrate all of these events conglomerated into one event in the spring of every year.